Welcome back, everyone, to Mike on Money. Uh, my name is Michael LeBlanc, Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Genuity. And thanks for joining us again this week. Uh, every Tuesday, of course, we take a dive into what's going on in the markets and we talk about uh, certain things that's going on. And this week, we're going to talk about investing in innovation, or sometimes you might hear me talk about it uh, as disruptive technology. So technology that's changed in the way either we're doing things, the markets are doing things, or a sector or particular industry are doing it. So we'll take a, a deeper look at that after we take a look at the markets. Uh, as always, if you're watching us here, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're watching us here, just remember everything that uh, we cover is for educational purposes only. Do not take it as advice or solicitation. Always do your own due diligence or reach out to us or a professional advisor for advice in regards to your current situation and how you might be able to apply some of these things into your portfolio or into your investment strategies. If you're watching us live, as always, you can uh, click that Q&A button and uh, ask us questions on here. We'll try to get to them at the end. If not, for we will absolutely follow up with you. Uh, if you'd like, if you're watching this on replay on the podcast, uh, just go to mikeonmoney.com. There you can send us in any questions, uh, give us a call or even book appointments uh, directly with me and I can answer any of your questions on a one-on-one. -on -one. So with that, let's dive into what's going on in the markets right now. So this week, uh, we're waiting for the US uh, S&P CoreLogic uh, case uh, to, to come to head. Um, just one of those other cases uh, that we're looking at on, from uh, for competitive uh, competition rules, uh, the home price index for January we're waiting for out of the U.S. Of course, the numbers here in Canada continue to move up as far as the housing prices go. Uh, pretty much the same thing going on in the U.S. Uh, not much change there. Uh, really driven by those low interest rates. Always starting to see those uh, borrowing rates anyway go up uh, as we're seeing the 10-year bond in the U.S. starting to increase. So whether that's gonna slow things down, certainly there's a lot of talk about a housing bubble in formation right now where the price in R. And, uh, and we're seeing a lot of people, uh, young people uh, move out to the suburbs uh, as they don't need to be in their offices anymore. They don't need to be in the down core anymore uh, as a lot of positions have gone. Permanent remote work. And, but we're also seeing a lot of um, or we'll say retirees, pre-retirees uh, move into areas a little closer to their lifestyle as well. So it'll be interesting to see how the home prices continue to perform when we start to see those interest rates start to start to rise a bit. U.S. Conference Board Consumer Confidence Index for March is also coming out. Uh, probably going to be a little weaker. Uh, as you, if you've been following, of course, January and February were a bit stronger. Uh, we have seen a little bit of pullback in the markets as people become a little bit more concerned uh, as a potential force, fourth wave. But also, uh, you know, as things, as the vaccines do ramp up, especially in the U.S. And, uh, you know, more and more things open that the economy, how quickly that economy is going to bounce back. Not to say it's not going to bounce back, but it's all about how quickly it's going to uh, come back the, the pre-COVID levels or surpass those 
given that the markets have, uh, have surpassed uh, the numbers pre-COVID. And of course, Canadian payroll uh, employment for January, uh, we'll look, uh, look for those numbers as well. Uh, as, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks or a few weeks now, uh, we have seen the markets, uh, the overall markets a little bit shaky, especially in that tech arena. Uh, not too much to be concerned about. Might be a buying opportunity. We're going to talk about innovation uh, and tech plays a big role in that uh, today, but um, uh, not a surprise. We saw a big run up in tech last year. Uh, we talked about it all through December and January about the bit of overvaluations, of course, in the portfolios. That was a driver for a big rebalance we did to uh, take some profits out of those and move into other areas that, uh, that hadn't had such a big run up. And that's just, you know, part of staying on top of the portfolio, staying on top of your profits and making sure, uh, you know, you, uh, you pay really close attention to, um, you know, what those stocks are value at, valued at and whether that makes sense or not. Uh, and whether it's, uh, you should warrant any changes uh, or trim it, right? There's nothing wrong with taking a bit of profit out of a position. Doesn't mean that you uh, you need to get rid of it. So uh, let's take a look at what's going on in the markets. Uh, well, if we look at the American SPAC, so if you haven't been following this, this is big, big in Canada. In fact, I think they were probably more popular in Canada first before the US really blew them up. Uh, SPACs are what we call special purpose acquisition companies. Uh, just to break this down, basically what, um, what they are is a group of investors will get together, uh, create a company, uh, fund it, so the investors will put a bunch of money into it, but they have no idea what they're invested into yet. Then that SPAC, the managers of that SPAC, will go out and try to find a good deal. So a company that wants to go public, a company that needs funding, uh, and then they'll go uh, and, and use the capital that's in that SPAC, fund that company, take those shares uh, of that company into the SPAC, basically what we call an RTO or reverse um, takeover. And then the SPAC gets rebranded under that new company's name. Uh, so the UK uh, in London uh, decided, hey, we're going to start uh, doing some SPACs over here. Has not taken off as well. Quite frankly, I think these are, you know, they did well for in 2020 for sure. Um, previously, they, it was a hit or miss to 2020. I'm not a huge fan of the structure. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of investing without knowing what you're investing into. And then uh, the structure of the SPAC does give a lot of uh, control to the managing partners, if you will, the managing company of the SPAC over the company that's taken advantage of the capital. Um, and, and so I, I, I sometimes, and not always, my sense is uh, the company that's going into the SPAC isn't as good of acquisition as maybe uh, you, you want it to be, um, because why wouldn't it just go direct to market? So good, bad, ugly, uh, just do your due diligence on SPACs. I'm not saying they're all bad. Uh, definitely pay attention to what you're investing into, uh, the terms of the SPAC. So some of the SPACs give you an opportunity to take your uh, initial investment out once they announce uh, the company that's going in it. So if you don't like that, you know, take advantage of that. Not all offer you that. Um, and then usually when they, you know, they first start trading, uh, it's, uh, it's generally around the issue price or the price you bought in at. Uh, so, you know, you can always get out if you don't like 
the, uh, the underlying company that gets put in there. So just uh, keep an eye on it. They've been really hot through 2020. Uh, we are seeing them slow down here in North America as well, but uh, they did not do well over in over the UK. Uh, Exxon and Chevron, of course, you fall last year, merger there. Uh, they're taking a little bit of slow uh, path, slow walk uh, to the US shale recovery. Uh, and why not? You know, the prices uh, are starting to, uh, you know, uh, firm up in the oil, but that's only because a lot of companies, of course, have turned off production or turned down production substantially uh, to, to, to adjust for the current demand that we're seeing around the world. Uh, so to go on and turn on their shale, um, their shale oil fields uh, to any large extent could, you know, disrupt those prices again. So they're just taking an easy uh, two big balance sheets between Exxon and Chevron uh, so they can be patient with that and, uh, and, and let oil recover on its own, uh, its own, at its own speed. Traffic in the Suez Canal is resuming after the ship, uh, the stranded ship was refloated. So of course, if you followed this in the news, it was pretty hard not to. Uh, a big container ship, a giant container ship, in fact, a huge one, um, got spun sideways or, or almost sideways in the uh, in the entry to the Suez Canal, blocking traffic both ways, uh, backing up shipments. Um, I think it got up to $400 billion worth of goods uh, being backed up. Um, and so, so far backed up that a lot of ships decided to go down around Africa to uh, kind of the old route before the canal was built um, to uh, because by the time they would have got through even after the shift is moved because of the backup that it's created uh, they can get around there I think it's a 12-day journey to get around the bottom of Africa there and back up so uh, so a lot of ships so it has been moved it's, it was I think it was six days it was caught in there there was a lot of uh, funny internet memes and pictures uh, showing them trying to get it out of there with bulldozers uh, compared to the size of the ship. Uh, it, was, it, it was not a great situation, but uh, it, it, was, uh, it was at least not horrible news out there. Anyway, it's, um, it has been moved, has been refloated, and now the process of moving all those backed up ships through the canal uh, in a timely manner uh, is now going to be the task. Uh, so shipments, uh, shipments overseas, not so much in North America. Most of our stuff wouldn't go through there, um, but uh, there obviously was some oil, especially through the Middle Eastern countries uh, that, were, that were delayed. Uh, but we should see things pick up pretty quickly uh, now that it's reopened. There's talk of some inflation uh, pressures on certain items. I know there's uh, IKEA had a lot of shipments in there. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, again, mostly overseas, um, some shipments will be delayed or, or inventory will be delayed um, on certain products that were caught up in this. But we're past that, so hopefully um, they move through quickly. Uh, Biden is uh, moving to explain the funding of the $3 trillion infrastructure plan. So we talked about this. This is under Buttigieg's transport minister, um, moving to a, a new a new innovative, probably good. Um, uh, you know, we haven't got all the details yet of their infrastructure plan, and this is to, you know, tackle their need for investment in their infrastructure, improvements, repairs. Uh, so three trillion dollars, uh, and they're and they're talking about, you know, making some shift. I mentioned uh, last week that Buttigieg was talking about not not expanding highways and roads 
in all cases. In a lot of cases, does it make better sense to invest into transit uh, and move people off the road and reduce traffic? So a lot of new thinking, a lot of uh, talk of um, more efficiencies uh, in the investments uh, into that infrastructure plan. But all in all good, the US has been behind in infrastructure investment and infrastructure investment is a big way governments, uh, you know, rebuild economies uh, because they're spending money through obviously spending money in the uh, in the economy, but also hiring people uh, as they uh, as they build out those uh, those construction crews. The Fed's Waller says the economy is a long way from rate hikes. So this just goes back to the ongoing theme of the U.S. Fed and of course Bank of Canada as well to not raise rates, uh, uh, the interest rates for a while. Uh, again, they had that three-year mark in, in, in mind. There's about two and a half years left of that. Um, we'll keep a close eye on that. The, the, the bond rates are kind of getting to that critical category. Uh, I still think by 2022, we're probably going to see a hike, but probably still safe for 2021. Uh, in Goldman Securities case, the U.S. Supreme Court wrestles over investors' class action. Uh, so a lot of these going on right now. Uh, but this has to do with um, publicly traded companies and fraudulent statements that keep uh, the artificial prices uh, or keep the stock prices artificially high. So there's a class action against uh, Goldman Sachs over a few of the, um, the financial statements they put out on some of the companies. Uh, and we you know whether those were errors or intentionally fraudulent uh, that kept the stock prices higher. Uh, and uh, we'll have to see as the evidence come out there. So the bad news, so uh, COVID-19 update. So if you're like me and you live in British Columbia, we got thrown, uh, I'm gonna call it bad news. Maybe it's not bad news. I, I, I got deflated uh, on this news that um, I was kind of hoping after Easter, we would really start to see kind of restrictions easing off. Maybe I got my hopes too high. Uh, uh, of course, we did see, um, you know, the numbers have been increasing. So, you know, maybe I shouldn't have been so surprised uh, here at BC. But of course, uh, all food and liquor uh, serving premises will be uh, takeout uh, delivery uh, or patios only. And there's certain patios that qualify, um, you know, it depends on how extensive the menu is. So some of the smaller uh, pubs and, and brew pubs and, and uh, wineries uh, don't qualify. Um, you, you can read more about that. It's all over the internet. Uh, Whistler got shut down um, as, as their, uh, their numbers really increased. So uh, they're closed to Laker 19th, which is pretty much killing the rest of the ski season. Um, I know Blackcomb stays open a bit longer than Whistler does. Uh, normally into May, uh, which it may, it may reopen again, or, you know, what we saw last year when they closed Whistler with the pandemic, Whistler just, you know, closed shop because, uh, you know, letting all the employees go for three weeks and then bringing them all back. Uh, we'll have to see. I've not seen anything out from Whistler officially yet. I saw something out, of the, out from the, uh, the community of Whistler, you know, of course, being shocked and uh, concerned. Um, but, uh, but that's going to obviously be difficult for that community. Uh, and any indoor uh, adult fitness groups are closed. The gyms are closed. Um, uh, religious uh, gatherings are closed. Um, 
you know, so any, any of those things that we'd started to see reopen and uh, basically closed until April 19th, at least, um, we'll have to keep monitoring the situation because of course, uh, we have seen in the past where these, these dates, uh, you know, do get extended. On the good news front, uh, we are seeing the vaccine uh, rollout expand. I was reading this morning, Canada is getting an extra or, or 5 million uh, doses from Pfizer sooner. Uh, they did suspend the AstraZeneca vaccine for anyone under 55 in BC, uh, just doing some more testing and some concerns. Uh, they said there's no danger. They just want to see the effectiveness, I guess, for those under 55. I don't think it's really um, centered around the clot, the clot an issue that they, uh, they kind of cleared earlier on. Uh, but we'll see more as, uh, as those tests continue. Uh, but the good news is we are seeing more and more shipments coming into Canada. So obviously more and more distribution. And of course, in the U.S., uh, massively stepping up their uh, vaccination programs uh, Biden announced in last week that uh, his original goal was 100 million vaccines by 100 days in office. He uh, On day 57, he, uh, they hit 100 million vaccines. Uh, so now he's shooting for 200 million vaccines by 100 uh, days in office, uh, which is great. Um, obviously, being close, uh, close borders with us, the faster they're done, uh, you know, we can get done, you know, maybe we can start to reopen the borders again, uh, maybe a little bit of travel. And uh, of course, both economies benefit uh, with our borders open a little bit more. So we'll keep a close eye on that. But it was a bit of a, a bit of a hit for BC residents. Anyway, I know Eastern Canada, some of our listeners over there, uh, you know, have been going through tighter closures than we have. Um, but um, but, but we were kind of getting used to what we had and uh, I, I think uh, thinking that was gonna, going to open a little bit more. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll keep you all updated on that. So let's take a look at uh, what's going on in the markets. On the US front, the conference board survey is expected to show a rise in the consumer confidence index. Um, so this was an earlier estimate uh, based on the last two weeks I mentioned. I'll, I'll be surprised that it rises as much as the, that, they're, that they're looking at here. Uh, but we'll take a take a closer look, closer look um, uh, once those numbers come out. Uh, and as I also mentioned, we're looking at the housing uh, index, uh, likely to have increased since January. As I mentioned, that's the trend we've seen in Canada anyway. So probably that's going to continue. And the labor, labor board begins its uh, hand count of approximately 5,800 votes on whether uh, to form a union cast by you know by the Amazon employees. So this has been an ongoing controversy. Amazon, Amazon being accused of uh, trying to block uh, unions uh, and, uh, and worker rights and their treatment, uh, you know, at Amazon, um, you know, pretty much a, a theme in companies this size. Walmart went through this as well, you know, where Walmart employees uh, were said to, to not be given, given competitive pay or, or, or their work hours or expectations. Uh, Amazon's going through it as well when they get to that size. And of course they are pretty much pricing, you know, their model is lowest price possible. And how do they achieve that? Well, pay as little as possible to, to get things done. Um, you know, there, there's pros and cons to this. Uh, we'll, we'll see it play out, but of course, you know, Amazon um, has in the past, um, you know, taken harsh uh, steps 
when that when this has occurred uh and and of course they're moving more and more and more to robotics in the warehouse which would mean fewer and fewer jobs uh so you know th there's a fine balance to be found here and obviously uh, it's got to be fair for the employees uh and and amazon's got to find a way to fit it into their business model so uh hopefully there's a solution that comes out here but it's an ongoing battle and, and we'll see how the votes go uh this week Lululemon is expected to post a fourth quarter revenue increase. No surprise at all. Uh, you know, obviously people uh, staying at home. Uh, I've mentioned a few times. Um, I think I have to go make a donation to my dry cleaner. I've not put on a suit since last March. Um, and uh, a lot of people move into comfy clothes or more relaxed clothing. Of course, working out more at home. Uh, so no surprise, Lululemon would be a beneficiary of that as people uh, buy more of their, you know, whether yoga pants or sweatshirts or uh, just anything uh, comfort oriented. Uh, more top news, the global banks uh, face a bunch of losses. Uh, so this is after our, a, a hedge fund um, kind of, well, kind of defaulted on a bunch of derivative bets. Uh, so Credit Suisse and, and Nomura. Uh, are facing billions of dollars who backed those derivative bets for them, uh, you know, as they take those losses. And we're probably going to see more of this unfolding. Uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, I'll mention in portfolios that we put in hedges, uh, but there's a difference between a hedge versus, um, you know, what's typically known as hedge funds. We, we, we generally call these ledge funds in the industry, uh, which the L stands for leveraged. Uh, hedges, meaning uh, they, they, they will take uh, multiple times the bet on the equity that they're managing. Um, so, you know, if they have $100 million, they'll go borrow $300 million and bet $400 million on a, uh, on a strategy. And if it goes wrong, uh, or if it goes right, you know, the leverage works great. You get multiple, uh, big multiple return on your hundred or on the $100 million investment because they leverage it up. Uh, but if it goes wrong, of course, you take multiple loss uh, because you've got to pay back that 400 million first before you get your 100 million out and, and obviously uh, you don't get your 100 million out in a lot of cases uh, and uh, we've seen this in the past where the the, the ledge funds or hedge funds uh, have taken bets and then markets have pulled back in certain areas um, and, and because they use derivatives as well which is another form of leveraging your capital uh, against the uh, kind of the strategy that you're putting into the investment portfolio. Um, we can see with the pullback in technology uh, in certain areas of the market, uh, you know, as those things unfold, the longer that, that pullback goes on, uh, you know, more and more of these strategies will unwind and some of the big investment houses globally will take a loss where they've uh, backed those, uh, those bets. So we'll continue to watch that, um, watch that unfold. Um, and, and as always, be cautious. Do due diligence if you're going into a ledge or hedge strategy. Uh, you know, it's far different than buying a little bit of gold in your portfolio to hedge against inflation when you actually own just one time that underlying gold strategy. Uh, it's not like you leverage that gold strategy four or five, 10 times over. Um, you, you know, if you own one to one, it's just that's a true hedge as opposed to um, some of these hedge funds that will leverage things out. Uh, Pfizer, Moderna uh, vaccines have proven or are, are proven, uh, continuously proven to be highly effective after their first shots. 
you know, there's a lot of controversy about when to get the second shot. Uh, you know, Canada's taking an approach of a slightly longer uh, for the second shot, but it's still proven about 80% effective in the first two weeks, uh, which is good because, again, if we can just slow down the uh, contagious rate or the, um, the transmission rates, uh, we can slow the whole thing down. Uh, J&J CEO uh, pay has irked some investors. Uh, not a surprise, J&J uh, uh, CEO and uh, some executives uh, took a hefty pay raise uh, for 2020. Uh, despite facing, um, you know, billions of dollars. In fact, they settled most of their their um, opioid crisis um, lawsuits last year. Um, but you know, there there were a lot of earnings, uh, shareholder earnings that went out to pay those settlements last year, uh, and then they take a big pay raise. Um, you know, to pat themselves on the back for the vaccine, but forgetting, you know, the money that was uh, that was uh, lost to the opioid crisis. So some investor controversy around that, um, but that's always the case, especially when there's a big disparity between a lot of people being uh, you know, out of work and then you know, CEOs taking big, huge pay, pay packages, not always the wisest thing to do. Uh, Visa moves to allow payment settlement in cryptocurrency. So Bitcoin back in the news, uh, of course, Tesla is now saying they'll take crypto to buy a Tesla. Visa saying that they're going to uh, accept crypto um, to pay down your visa debt. So obviously more growing, um, we've got acceptance. I don't know if that's the word I would use. Definitely a more growing uh, interest in using uh, cryptocurrencies in mainstream financials. Uh, you know, this just opens up, you know, I've talked about it before, we have a whole video on cryptocurrencies you know, the concerns of governments and central banks uh, around the lack of transparency behind the cryptocurrencies. And both these scenarios are a perfect example of money laundering. We actually saw this, there was a, I can't remember, five, six years ago, there was um, a, not a scandal, but a situation with Amex where um, people, international buyers were coming to North America, buying up artwork on their American Express, you know, say paying, hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, you know, say $100,000 on their American Express to, um, to buy a piece of art here in North America, paying it off in their home country, uh, and then selling the piece of artwork here, maybe even at a loss, maybe for 90000 uh, But now they have that sale as a legitimate transaction here in North America. They deposit that 90000 into the North American financial uh, sector, and they have basically cleaned that money. Uh, so, you know, crypto is the exact same thing. Someone can have money through illicit means uh, anywhere in the world, rack up a visa here um, in, 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 in North America, pay off the balance and then return or resell those goods. Uh, and now they have cleaned the money. And it's the same with the Tesla situation, buy a Tesla, resell it, probably at a light, slight loss, but you would still be able to uh, move money uh, into the financial sector here. So that's a big concern, of course, of, of governments and, and um, financial systems. So, you know, the more and more I think cryptocurrency moves into mainstream, I think more and more we're going to see uh, some sort of the regulators try to take some sort of steps to, uh, to 
rein it in. So uh, we'll keep a keep an again keep an eye on those things. Bowman just won their biggest order for the 737 Max since uh, the lift uh, of the 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 ban on those jets uh, by Southwest. You know, ordering a uh, hundred new 737. These these jets were touted as as one of the best most fuel efficient uh, new planes to the market prior to of course the two uh, crashing horribly um, due to uh, technical and training flaws um, now that that's been let's call it fixed repaired cleared and new training in place uh, of course it's making a, a surge a research back into the market uh, as uh, airlines are continuously looking for more fuel efficiency in their fleets in Canada, BlackBerry is expected to report a fall in the fourth quarter revenue. Well, the first question I'm sure I'm going to get on this one is, really, BlackBerry still around? Yes, it is. Um, the mostly software company. Uh, they did see a slowdown uh, for one of their um, one of their software products, QNX, which is a car software. Um, but yes, they're still around and they're still operating, uh, but not obviously uh, making the hardware that they once did. Uh, for us older folk who remember how carrying a BlackBerry around with its uh, its keyboard. Uh, Canada's also uh, going to require new assessments of AstraZeneca. I mentioned this a bit earlier, um, and they've just I know Ontario and BC have just put uh, restriction that AstraZeneca will not go to those under age 55 um as they do some more tests on its effectiveness uh and and, and potential risk around people uh, of younger age um again from what i've read this was brand new yesterday uh it wasn't really around the blood clotting it was just more around the effectiveness um but we'll keep a close eye on kind of what those new tests and um, changes might happen there uh, and I think we talked about this last week, but Rogers and Shaw, of course, uh, are moving forward with their merger. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's got to go through all the comp competition reviews to make sure uh, it's good for Canada. I, I actually don't see that they're going to uh, stop this. The big thing is it's really not around the cable uh, provider uh, side of things. It's going to be around the mobility side of things. Uh, Canada was in the process of trying to sell some more uh, cellular spectrum. Uh, so they sell that at auction uh, to you know, try to get a, a fourth major carrier in Canada, because right now the three major, ca major carriers are Rogers, Bell, and TELUS, uh, and they were hoping for a fourth. Uh, of course, you know, Shaw through, I think, Freedom Mobile uh, was making a venue that it was pretty regional discount uh, offering, not really considered one of the majors, but could have they expanded it out maybe. So uh, I know the competition bureau is gonna take a really good look at uh, what that means, but all in all, I think uh, the general consensus is this merger will go through. Uh, I think overall it's good. Uh, if you followed kind of my view on the telecom industry in Canada, as far as investments go, um, you know, I was always more bullish with Bell and TELUS uh, because they'd already spent a lot of money on their fiber networks uh, across, you know, across Canada. Uh, they were very strong in that front. Rogers was spending a lot of money, but they had a lot more to spend and Shaw had a ton of money to spend to be really competitive in that market. Uh, obviously bringing their, uh, their resources together, uh, that's, you know, only going to enhance their ability to be a third real national 
uh, competitor because if you live out east, you know, you probably didn't deal with Shaw very much. Uh, and if you live out west, other than cell phones, Rogers, you know, uh, you really weren't using them probably for your internet, home security, uh, cable packages or anything like that. That was really an eastern thing. So it makes a lot of sense uh, for them to join. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen any big reports yet on what that means for jobs. Uh, they've committed, I think it's a two or three year uh, process of not cutting any major jobs, but you know, there, there's always cuts when you bring two big companies together. Uh, but at least regionally, there wasn't a lot of overlap between these two. So all in all, probably a, a, good, uh, a good marriage. Um, we'll continue to crunch the numbers and see what that new entity would look like and see how it's going to compare as far as an investment, uh, putting it up against uh, uh, TELUS and Bell going forward. On the foreign exchange front, uh, the US dollar uh, moves slightly higher, um, mostly on that uh, infrastructure uh, investment. Uh, so, you know, again, as I mentioned, $3 trillion into infrastructure means more jobs, means good, good things for the economy. Uh, if they get the spending right, um, you know, we have not seen what that plan is yet. Uh, so a little bit more strength to the U.S. dollar in, in that process. So uh, so we'll keep a, an eye on that. You know, as always, the theme has been the trend, the trend of the U.S. dollar down. Um, again, some good news here to prop it up a little bit, but they are taking another three trillion dollars in debt. So, you know, that's going to probably have an impact on it in the longer run. The 10-year Treasury, uh, the new forecast is for it to hit 2.2% um, uh, uh, by the end of 2021. Now, if you remember, uh, if you do listen on a regular basis, I did mention that the mid 1.8 is where we're really going to start getting concerned on inflation. So if by the end of 2021, the call is for 2.2, that feeds right into the thought process that early 22, we're probably going to see those interest rate hikes. Um, so uh, we'll see how this forecast goes, but it is pretty much in line uh, kind of in, in, in what um, I think it has been for the last uh, three to six months. Um, we'll see if uh, me and uh, BNP are right. Uh, drivers of the recovery include herd immunity from the vaccine rollout. So, you know, again, this just goes to more and more people being optimistic, more and more people getting out there. Um, you know, to, to reinvest in the economies, reinvest in uh, reopening things, especially the hospitality network. Uh, and we've seen a, a rise in fiscal deficit to almost $3 trillion or 14% of GDP. So, you know, we need to turn that around. Um, and, and the good or bad news, it looks like the U.S. is going to hit herd immunity before us. Uh, obviously an aggressive vaccine rollout, but also more of their population already got it. So uh, herd immunity is partially vaccination <clears throat> and partially those who have already recovered from it. So uh, maybe um, uh, they're gonna get there faster uh, due to their, <clears throat> call it mishandling or different handling, if you will, uh, than, uh, than most of the world did. Uh, but of course their percentage of deaths uh, were dramatically higher and tragic. So probably not the route I would have wanted to go anyway. Uh, the Federal Reserve quantity easing is, uh, is, is been supported very well uh, of $120 billion in uh, monthly asset purchase for 2021. So they're continuing buying up those assets, about 7.5% of GDP, just to support, uh, support the economy, support the quantitative, quantitative easing, 
and of course not using interest rates to uh, to uh, offset inflation. On the oil front, as I mentioned, we did see it go up, uh, partly due to demand slightly returning. Uh, you know, the evergreen, uh, or sometime in the press was being called ever given, um, a blockage of the Suez Canal. A lot of oil shipments going through there, as I mentioned from the, the Middle East. Uh, not so much overseas here, uh, not really affecting, affected too much in North American inventories, uh, but we did see it uptick a bit uh, at 65 and 61 a barrel. Uh, so over that $60 mark, uh, where, where other than last week, it's been pretty much holding all this year. Uh, and we're now turning to another OPEC plus meeting. Of course, uh, OPEC having very regular meetings with the, not just the OPEC group, the OPEC plus group, uh, as they're, they're, they're still monitoring um, production very, very closely, trying to keep the, uh, the supply in check with demand just to make sure they don't drive that price down too quick or too low uh, that they offset some countries where they can't, they can't afford it. So now let's take a look at innovative technologies um, or sometimes I mentioned disruptive technologies. It's estimated that over the next decade, we're gonna add $90 trillion to the equity markets uh, just in appreciation. And about half of that is expected to, expected to come from those disruptive technologies. So you, you, you've heard me talk about disruptive technologies before. Um, it's, you know, it's something that's been around for a long time. I mean, Uber uh, and Lyft, you know, rideshare programs would be a very disruptive uh, technology into, uh, you know, an established uh, sector, an established market, marketplace. Uh, they brought in new technology, more convenience. Uh, a lot of people, you know, enjoy uh, the ease of use, and you know they revolutionized things, uh, good or bad. They did, um, and, and we're you know we're constantly seeing that all the time. But what the pandemic has done has really driven this to the forefront, because when we did shut down the economy, basically for a year, um, it it made a massive shift. Uh, it, where, where industries can use technologies, whether to be more efficient, to get access to new markets, um, or even just, you know, introduce new products uh, or new ways of bringing product uh, to people. Uh, you know, we, you know, Skip the Dishes and DoorDash, the food services and Uber Eats, uh, all existed pre-pandemic, but they've blown up through that because of the pandemic. After we reopen, knock on wood that we do reopen, um, you know, are we going to change habits? You know, restaurants shifted uh, their model. They have the meal kits. They have the, the drink kits. Uh, you know, uh, regulation changed uh, to allow these different things to happen. They, some of them have been already, already been made permanent. Uh, so do these, is this now do disruptive? You know, you know, not many restaurants now still run their own delivery drivers. They'd rather just sign up with one of these services. So completely changed how that happened. And some restaurants who didn't want to spend the money or didn't think that uh, that would be a core part of their business delivery have shifted that way. And, and I probably mentioned in the past, I've talked to a lot of these restaurant owners and they're really th rethinking their, their model because during the pandemic closures, uh, yes, they saw revenue drops, uh, but with the delivery services, they actually saw revenue stay the same or increase because they got rent subsidies so they weren't paying as much rent and they realized how much the square footage and staff in the square footage was costing them 
versus how much they could uh, still make or um, how much they could supply through the uh, delivery services. So disruptive technologies are there. They're, I, I think we fast paced them. It was a tectonic shift uh, in the economies around the world to really lean on different uh, technologies to, to change how we do things. And I'm gonna, this does not by any mean encompass every innovative technology. You know, one that came to mind that's not in here is nanotechnology or, um, you know, uh, different computer, um, uh, what are those ones called? The quantum computer systems and things like that. They're still really early stage. What I'm focusing on are really kind of the core ones that are there to invest into, into today and tomorrow. Uh, and are actually growing dramatically. So right at the core of innovation is data. You may have heard this, data is the most valuable commodity in the world uh, today, um, more than oil and gold and all these other things. And you won't find a single company out there today that is not trying to, and you use the term, mine their data. So they have a lot of data on their clientele, they have a lot of data on their marketplaces, and they want to take advantage of that, whether that's a simple matter of, uh, you know, going, you go to the grocery store and then figuring out um, what you buy, not just, hey, you like to buy that particular product, but what other products do you buy along with that? Um, and then they can see, do a lot of people do that? Then they can target their marketing uh, from one product to the next, or uh, much like when you're watching, you know, when I watch Netflix, you know, one of the first category suggestions for you based on what you watched previously, right? So it's all taking a look at that data uh, that they own and, and how they can better use it for themselves. And you can even branch that out. We've talked about it before. There's even lawsuits going on about it, of course, with the data collectors out there, the Facebooks, Googles, you know, that track your movements, uh, the apps on your phone, where you go, what your habits are. You know, my phone, uh, you know, very easy to be able to tell, you know, my age group, where I live, what my shopping habits are. You know, oh, there's apps on there. That every time I open one, uh, it knows where I am. Maybe it knows what I'm, uh, I'm buying or at least what store I'm in. Uh, you know, they collect all that data and they mine it. So that's, that's, you know, at the core of all this. So more and more data collection and more and more data use. So what does that mean when we go a tier up? Well, cybersecurity, big theme of mine for a long time, only a growing theme uh, going forward is how do we secure all that data? How do we keep that safe? It's, uh, it's constantly evolving. So I think that's a, a huge part uh, of investing when we talk about innovation, because it doesn't matter uh, what industry you're in, if you're using uh, technology or data to, um, to be disruptive, to be innovative, you need to secure that. Uh, secondly, you need to store that. So the cloud, right? No one or not many companies these days are storing things on servers in closets in their, in their buildings. It's all in the cloud. So external servers, uh, outside locations, secure, cheaper um, in a lot of cases because they don't have to be kept in real estate that's very expensive. They can be in, in areas where real estate is cheaper. So cloud, uh, cloud data uh, is another area to invest into. Companies that provide those cloud services uh, like Amazon and, and Microsoft being big names, but there's a lot of equipment manufacturers in there. Uh, and you also have a lot more uh, different names uh, in the cloud environment. 
And then how do you move that data? So 5G, 5G expansion has uh, kind of been put on the back burner a little bit through uh, through the pandemic here, just simply not being able to uh, to get um, you know more towers and more expansion out there. But 5G is the next stage. It's massively faster than our current levels. Uh, it can move uh, way more data, uh, obviously way more efficiently, uh, which ties into uh, going from those cloud databases to where you need it. So very important area to invest into. We branch out from there, robotics and atom, uh, I don't know, sorry, miss it up there, uh, automations. So, you know, robotics are far, far past the stage of those uh, mechanical arms, uh, putting a screw on a car in, in, in an assembly line. Uh, we're now into, you know, if you've ever watched a documentary, we talked about Amazon using uh, robotics in their warehouses. Um, you know, picking the packages, putting them on pallets, uh, putting labels on, uh, putting, you know, delivering them to the, into the delivery trucks uh, and out the door. You know, a lot of times these processes are happening without people. They're moving to drone technology to deliver your packages, electronic self-run uh, vehicles. Uh, you know, when we talk about robotics, it, it, you know, we might not be to that walking around, talking to you uh, stage, uh, but we are moving further and further ahead uh, uh, and more and more uh, functions around robotics are happening at a much, much faster pace. So really interesting area to, to invest into. Blockchain, I'm not necessarily talking about cryptocurrency. Blockchain, uh, if you follow crypto or, or, or how crypto is actually done, blockchain is actually just a system uh, of kind of a ledger or record keeping, a data management, basically. Um, uh, it is expanding more and more. Of course, it's using cryptocurrencies. NFTs is the latest thing. You know, these, these art, uh, electronic art um, sales uh, and keeping track of those, uh, you know, a lot of controversy and it's very new around that, that arena. Uh, but, you know, many and Walmart for their inventory controls are, are moving to a blockchain or, or at least been exploring into uh, blockchain technology. So it's another area of managing all this data. Um, genomics, this is an area around healthcare. In fact, our vaccine, the, um, the mRNA vaccine, that technology, uh, you know, the reason why we got the vaccines so quickly is because, uh, uh, you know, that research or that science has been around for a long time. It's for a decade. Uh, and they were just at the point where, hey, we can apply this to a vaccine uh, and, and where that go from, uh, goes from there. So a lot, a lot of work around uh, biotech um, is around genomics and in how we can apply that to our healthcare uh, and improving, um, you know, medicines and, and treatments uh, in a massive growing area. Again, an area that I've talked about a lot, automotive innovation, so electric vehicles, um, or it could be hydrogen vehicles, um, the autonomous vehicles would, would go in with the robotics, uh, but a huge area of growth that um, you know, should definitely be representative in a portfolio if you look at in innovation, uh, and I'm going to touch a little bit more on that. Um, the uh, e-gaming area, so... Um, you know, a lot of us think about video games as, you know, the consoles, the Nintendos, the Ataris, 
but this has massively changed uh, over the last decade even. Uh, you know, yes, there's console gaming, but actually you'd be surprised console gaming is a very, very small part of it. There's streaming, there's Twitch, uh, there's your mobile gaming. The, the amount of, of revenue that comes from, you know, your handheld devices, people playing on the go um, is, is impressive. Uh, and we'll take a quick look at those numbers here today as well. So when we talk about these different areas, what type of companies? Well, cybersecurity, you know, we've got FireEye, Checkpoint, Fortisnet, Proofpoint, Palo Alto, uh, Fastly, uh, Zscaler. It's, it's grown every day. And in, in, in fact, most companies uh, don't have their own internal cybersecurity. They hire outside companies. Uh, because it's too hard to staff, it's too hard to stay on top of everything that's going on out there. So a great area of investing because it's mostly third party, you know, outsourced uh, investment for companies. So they just spend a lot of money on, on hiring these guys. On the cloud front, I mentioned um, Amazon Alphabet, which is Google's parent company, Microsoft, Oracle, Salesforce, uh, Intuit, uh, ServiceNow, Shopify, Zoom. Uh, you know, all out there uh, providing cloud services. If you're looking for ideas, automotive, uh, of course, Tesla, Neo, uh, Sarah's a power more the battery side, Maxline, fuel cell energy, which is um, uh, using organic uh, organic gases to convert to to electrical power, Microvision, Plug Power, uh, Umbrella, and ITM Power. Um, you know, I, as, as, again, if you follow, I'm not so much on the top two there, which are the, the, the manufacturing names. I tend to focus on supply chain, uh, the, the parts that go into it. So that's in there. E-gaming, you might've heard some of these names, Activision, Blizzard, C, Nintendo, Ubisoft, Nexon, NetEase, uh, T2, uh, EA, Electronic um, Arts, NCSoft, Billy Billy, Robotics, NVIDIA. Probably heard of NVIDIA if you have any uh, family members who are gamers because they, they have, they're the leader in the graphic design cards, but those chips go a lot into the robotics and automation. Uh, the very powerful chips, uh, Fanuc, uh, Intuitive, Intel, of course, is in there, Emerson, uh, Keyens, AMD, and Microchip. On the blockchain front, uh, Bitcoin's there, Argo, Hive, Galaxy, Marathon, uh, Riot, uh, probably not your average household names, uh, but they're out there building uh, bigger, bigger, uh, more effective blockchains. The genomics, uh, Beijing, Cgen, Genmed, BioNTech, Corteva, Bristol Myers, uh, Healthcare, Celtrion, uh, Illumina, and Agilent Technologies. Um, you know, again, not the ones that are coming out necessarily with the vaccines, but they're behind the science that's there. And 5G, Verizon, Deutsche Telekom, KDD, Vodafone, Samsung, Sony, SoftBank, Mobile, and Qualcomm. So those are some names to look at in each of those categories. I do kind of want to look uh, into um, uh, a bit more. So, you know, these are the good guys. You know, a more broader uh, list of names when we talk about in the, uh, the uh, cybersecurity front. Uh, it's not a small market and it's growing all, all the time. Um, so it's well worth having in the portfolio. Uh, when we look at the, uh, the cloud computing, again, it's much bigger than that short list that I had before. Uh, you know, when, when we look at the, um, 
the vehicle side of things, you know, I've talked about this before, uh, countries that have already put uh, legislation to ban gas and diesel vehicles, new purchases, you know, India 2030, Germany 2030, Britain 2040, France 2040, Norway 2025, China starting in 2030, not, uh, not a, a complete ban, and Netherlands 2025. We've got California moving uh, to at least in their state put a ban in at some point. Uh, and also pushing uh, the federal government to put one in. Quebec, as I mentioned in the past, has already put one in. I think it's 2035. Uh, so more and more are moving to the electric vehicles or efficient vehicles uh, outside of the uh, gas and diesel. Uh, and when we talk about the future of cars, you know, here are just, uh, you know, more list of names you can look at to put into the portfolio uh, beyond that short list there that I had earlier. Uh, you know, we're talking about e-gaming, I just want to talk on this because it is a massive, massive uh, industry. Uh, it, it is bigger than, I think, um, football, hockey, and baseball put together in North America as far as total dollars spent. Uh, it's broad range, range between sponsorship, competitions, uh, broadcast platforms, you know, Twitch and ESPN being at the forefront of this, YouTube as well up there event organizers, uh, and then the games themselves, like the producers of the games, uh, people buying them uh, and streaming uh, online. We, we don't see so much anymore people buying those CD-ROMs, um, but it's a massive, a massive market. I'm going to move my little talking head here for you, uh, but $165 billion industry last year. You know, it's, it's just huge. And, you know, we're, we're seeing, if you look at the top of uh, my graph here, if, uh, if you're watching video podcasts, you know, VR and cloud is just starting to break through it. Mobile, 85 billion of that. $85 billion is going into people playing on their phone. 40 billion, uh, you know, just in the uh, kind of the PC arena. Um, the arcades, of course, going by the wayside. Um, and consoles, you know, holding their ground. Um, you know, about 33 billion. They haven't really grown a ton in the... Uh, in the past decade or so, as far as a percentage of uh, the market share, they've maintained a percentage of market share, but they haven't grown. The biggest growth has been on PC and mobile. Um, but that's not to say, as I mentioned, VR uh, gaming is, 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 is only new and it's just starting to break into market share and, uh, and cloud gaming is uh, growing every day. And just some names around that. I'm gonna move my little talking head again here. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'll just leave it there. Oh, there we go. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of game uh, designs, uh, manufacturers and producers out there to take advantage of. So with that, uh, I do kind of do I have time for a question? Oh, I've gone really over. Uh, I've got one question. Um, I'll reach out to you. I'll, I'll, I'll get you an answer on that. I've gone uh, talk too long on that. Uh, as you all know, I love uh, innovative innovative and disruptive technologies. Uh, it, it's been something uh, that we've been investing to for a while, especially in the cyber front and the car front, but even more so than that, um, I think, and I believe as we've seen it uh, so much so in the last decade, or sorry, the last year with the pandemic, uh, having made the, uh, the market and industry make a massive shift to using these even more uh, more and more uh, moving forward. So with that, I'm gonna say thank you. Go to mikeonmoney.com if you have any more questions. 
uh, or any more ideas you like me. If you like me to take a deeper dive in any one of these sectors, I'm happy to do a video on that. Uh, if you have more questions uh, on it, um, uh, I'd love to dive, dive into those as well. Uh, but with that, I'll let you go. Thanks all for joining me. Talk to you soon.